0: So, Martin Biron, it's Saturday, just over 50 hours before the NHL trade deadline on Monday at 3 o'clock Eastern, and there's yet to be any major deals involving goaltenders. Do you think there will be a few? It seems like they're hard to pull off these days.
1: They will be very hard to pull off, and I think there is one domino that needs to fall before all of the other ones fall, and it will be Marc-Andre Fleury. I think he's really the best option as a rental for a team that's looking to maybe bolster their goaltending position. Uh, who are those teams? Well, uh, you look at Vegas right now, what's the situation with Robin Leonard? The Edmonton Oilers, I think, are feeling pretty comfortable with Miko Koskinen, and they've they've played better of late. Mike Smith had a big win Thursday night against the Sabres, but, uh, you know, if they can upgrade, maybe they want to do it. The Washington Capitals may be looking to upgrade. So I think these are, like, the situations where you're looking at a rental and somebody for a month and a half in a playoff run. So when and if Flurry makes his decision, then we'll see some movement. And then obviously you got the other type of trades that are more the teams that are looking at, oh, I'm going to you know, get a layup on next year and uh, where do I want to go? So I don't think those will happen at the trade deadline, but I think uh, some rental situations may, uh, but it all depends on Marc-Andre Fleury.
0: And this is why we brought you on, my friend. This is Islanders 4-Check, presented by Instat Hockey, the Main Street Board Game Cafe in Huntington Village, and by HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Our guest is Martin Viron, who played more than 500 NHL games as a goaltender for the Sabres, Flyers, Islanders, and Rangers, and now is an outstanding analyst for the Sabres on MSG Networks, for TSN and RDS, and on the highly entertaining talk show, The Instigators on WGR. Love the Inst- you guys, that, oh. that whole thing is a, it what an feels introduction. like Buffalo. It feels like Buffalo. It, there the passion is there. That's I mean, I was there when you had a women's hockey guests on where the, where the other guys had on, Peter's had on yeah. a guest and, and it, it just, it, I just love to feel of that show. I wish we had one of those out here.
1: Well, I appreciate it. What an introduction. Uh, and yeah, we have a lot of fun, obviously. It hasn't been a great a result wise in Buffalo for a few years, but I I'm telling you there's a difference this year and I know uh, you know, Buffalo Sabres fans around the world because we do have fans everywhere and they're well represented in New York uh, when we go to New York. Uh, and uh, yeah, so I think there's a different feeling this year, but it's still the unknown, right? What's going to happen next year. You look at the Islanders, everybody and a lot of experts thought, Hey, They're going to, they're going to be good. They're going to compete for the uh, Metro uh, division and it's been a tough year. So it changes, but I think they're on the upswing.
0: No question. Uh, definitely for the Sabres, and I believe so, for the Islanders, too, a step back. Because this is the Islanders' version of my podcast, I have to ask you about Semyon Arlamov. You referred to in the opening of our show about perhaps teams looking at next season. Semyon has one year left, $5 million on his deal. I think it's a possibility he still could go at this deadline. He has a no-move for a 16-team no-move deal clause in his contract. But... One, what do you think of Varlamov as a goaltender? And two, what do you think of his chances of being dealt either at the deadline or in the summer?
1: So I do like Simeon Varlamov as a goaltender. Obviously, he's, uh, you know, a little bit older. (laughs) You know, at 33 years old, that that makes a bit of a difference. But... um, I, I think he's had a, a decent season. Now, the Islanders have had a tough seasons, but you look at all the metrics, the uh, analytics, and the regular numbers, right? His save percentage is above league average. His uh, uh, saves ab- um, above expectations is is better than league average. Now, Sorokin's having a fantastic year. So maybe it's unfair to compare Varlamov with Sorokin because anytime you're above 920 in save percentage and you're above a half a goal save above expectations, expectation every game um, you're talking about elite and I think Sorokin right now is top 10 maybe top 12 goalies in the National Hockey League when you look at these numbers Um, Varlamov for me is a great option for a team that's looking at next year maybe you're making the call right now and you say well the Islanders aren't going anywhere it's not like they have to keep their two goaltenders this year and say well we we want to make sure we have that insurance policy for the playoffs They don't need to worry about it. So do you make that move right now if the right deal comes around? Or do you wait until the off seasons? Because now you may be able to deal with 16 other teams that are um, gunning for the playoffs this year. So uh, teams that may be looking for a goaltender next year, you talk about the Buffalo Sabres. I think there may be an opportunity where they're looking to bridge the gap between what they have now which is Craig Anderson, Dustin Tokarski, and what they'll have in a few years, which is Uko Pekalukainen, Devin Levi, Eric Portillo. There's, there's prospect in Buffalo. I think they're a team that you need to be on the lookout for. And the Philadelphia Flyers, uh, you know, with Carter Hart and Martin Jones. Well, they may be looking to say, we need to change something. I think Carter Hart has had a good season. Martin Jones, well, he is what it is. It, he is what he is, but I believe Varlamov could be a good fit there. The New Jersey Devils, I think, are going to be looking to upgrade. Uh, You have Chicago. What are they going to do with Marc-Andre Fleury? You can go to San Jose. You can go to Seattle, uh, who's not had a good season in net uh, when the Seattle Krakens, Grubauer, and Drieger have had some issues this year. So um, there's a lot of options there. So the Islanders and Lula Morello sit in a good spot where they have a goaltender At $5 million cap it, it's not an exuberant number. You know, you're looking at, you know, Carey Price is over 10 million and obviously he's injured, but 5 million is a good number to fit on a one-year deal and to see if that can give you some balance. So I believe the Islanders are in a good spot with Varlamov where they don't have to make the trade before Monday's trade deadline, but I would expect that by the draft he is moved and that the Islanders will be able to get a good return for him.
0: The great, great answer. Plenty of options. It's exciting to hear. I understand, of course, who wouldn't want two really, really strong goalies? You were part of tandems where there were two really, really strong goalies. But in a hard cap league, it's it's somewhat of a luxury that you can't literally always afford. You need to put that money towards some, somewhere else. So if If Sorokin is your goalie of the present and the long-term future, which he is, he's proven everything this year, where do you stand on this notion of Varlamov even sticking around another year because he's so good versus the value that they could get for him?
1: I think the value is higher than just having him in the locker room and having him as your backup goaltender and giving you that stability. So again, a lot of time when you are making a trade, let's see, at the deadline, you may take a goalie and return and which the Islanders would be fine with it. I mean, they they would probably need somebody to replace Varlamov this year. Yeah. You can call up Corey Schneider and have him, you know, kind of be the backup. But at the same time, is that really what you're looking for next year? So I believe that number one, the goalie market, the last few years and moving forward will be very, very, um, I, I want to use the word volatile, but I, I just think it's it's going to move a lot. There's always moving pieces, especially when you talk about the depth pieces, backup goaltenders moving around, uh, free agent goaltenders uh, taking less uh, than maybe market value because there's not a lot of chairs. It's musical chairs, and I've been a part of it. And unless you get a deal on the first day of free agency, second day of free agency, if you wait a couple of weeks, there's not going to be deals anymore. So I think the Islanders, again, if they were to trade Varlamov, you could take a goaltender in return. Um, let's see it is the Washington Capitals, for example, who have a good goalie in Vitek Vanacek. They they have some Sonov. There's a big question mark. But maybe the Washington Capitals say, hey, Let's bring back Varlamov. We had him in the organization. Let's bring him back in. He's going to be a good mentor for Vanacek, which right now Vanacek is more in a compete type of of relationship with Samsonov. So we're going to be able to give Vitek Vanacek the chance. And, well, let's send Samsonov to the Islanders. So I think there's a chance for the Islanders to say, we can take in a goalie. If we give you a goalie, we can take in a goalie because they're going to be looking for somebody. But again, if that's not the case, then... Free agencies there in the summertime. There's gonna be options, uh, and and certain goalies, uh, you don't even know, uh, maybe are are gonna be good. There's, I mean, I'm in Buffalo right now. They signed Craig Anderson last summer. I'm like, what are they doing? Right, the guy was barely almost retired, and he's been fantastic this year. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past the Sabers or any other team around the league to say. Oh, Craig Anderson on a one-year deal to be a mentor to a younger goaltender, um, yeah, let's do it because he's he's shown that he has leadership and and that he can do that. So there's goalies that you may not even think about that would be options. And
0: the other thing with the Islanders is there's reason to have faith in the people who oversee their goaltending, uh, Rich Corn yeah. and Greco, because you know they got Leonard, uh, you know, and he did great. Then they lost him, and that was controversial at the time, to get Varlamov. And he's been very, yeah. very good for them. Did you work with Korn in your the early Mardi oh, yeah. days in Buffalo oh, in the 90s? Yeah.
1: Just, uh, just a year, really. So my I got drafted in 95. So Mitch was the goalie coach with the Buffalo Sabres throughout the, the better part of the 90s. Uh, And my first year in Rochester was 97 98. That was Mitch's last year with the Buffalo Sabres. Then in 98 99, he moved on to Nashville, uh, which uh, was their first season. And uh, so I love Mitch. I still talk to him all the time, he's great. Uh, he's a good friend and, uh, does a fantastic job. He, he was really good for me. Uh, I struggled in juniors in my first year in the American league where I had a really good first year in junior, like top goalie, top prospect, got drafted in the first round. And then every year after that for the next two, three seasons, almost was a step backwards, a step backwards, a step backwards. And Mitch really worked with me my first pro year in Rochester. And got me back on a good path. And uh, I still have, I don't have it here, but in my parents' basement. Uh, and a quick story about Mitch Corn because it, people in New York need to understand that he is a goalie guru. And there's a few of them out there, but Mitch is definitely one of them. So it's about February and I get sent down to the East Coast Hockey League when going to the coast was not a good thing. There was the AHL and the IHL. That's where you want to be. The coast is was not what it is now. It was not a good, a good place to be. So I go to the East Coast, and Mitch comes with me, and that was very surprising. He's got Dominic Hasek to worry about. No, he came down to South Carolina with me. We practiced on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday I played, played well. Saturday I played, played well, and then after the game Saturday night, I got a call from the Rochester Americans. Mike Bales, who was an ardor goalie in Rochester, had hurt his knee. I needed to be back to uh, to Rochester for Sunday to play. So Mitch was also my travel agent, so he booked flights in the morning for me. We had a flight from South Carolina to Charlotte, to Philly, to Rochester. It was like one of those three flight, two, two layover. Got to Rochester, played against Kentucky that afternoon, won two to one. And then at the end of the season, he gave me basically a, uh, a frame clipping from the Rochester Democrat and Chronicle that said, Biron's back and earned a victory. It's a big article. And he said to me, he's like, this was your moment. This is where you came back. Like you were lost a little bit and this is the moment you came back. And it's hanging in my basement, in my bedroom, in my parents' basement. And uh, it was, it was the moment. So that's, that's how important Mitch is. Uh, to goalie development and how important it was to me and how great of a job he's done with, as you pointed out, Robin Leonard and Varlamov and Sorokin. And, and you look at what he did with the, the Washington Capitals before, where Samsonov was a top prospect when Mitch was there and the work that he did with Brayton Holby and uh, winning the cup over there and then before that with Nashville. So absolutely a goalie guru and uh, he's great.
0: I don't know if Mitch has an agent, but uh, if he do, Mitch, uh, you you might want to send this clip from Marty (laughs) and Marty over. And it's true. Everywhere he's gone, he's had the magic touch. So, I mean, it's a beautiful story. Nothing gets to me more than uh, examples of of class. And and that's just great to hear about Mitch, who I don't know. But I will ask you just one other thing. Maybe there's some magic that can't be shared. But could you put your finger on, besides those touches, like he did with you, uh, what it is that he does well?
1: Well, he's evolved over the years, right? So when I started working with him in 97 with Rochester, but even the two years prior to that, when I was a draft of the Buffalo Sabres, a lot of it was quick feet and quick uh, agility and and, and be athletic, right? Dominic Hasek flipping over. And so uh, we did a lot of that work. And now it's become a lot more technical. There's, there's, you know, all these these goalie terms with head trajectory and reverse VH and, uh, you know, butterfly slide and rebound recovery. And there's so many and spine angles and all of that. I, it's becoming very technical and Mitch understands the technical as, uh, aspect of it. He understands the physical aspect of it. And what Mitch calls the emotional side of it, I call it the mental, but he really is good at walking you through um, the ups and downs and, and and how you need to be able to adjust and adapt. And so a lot of goalie coaches are good in their time. And then there's a new wave of goalie coaches that come through because there's new terms, new techniques. They're good with the young goalies. And then the older guys kind of move aside. Mitch, very much like Benny Allaire in New York with the uh, uh, the New York Rangers, which I loved and I had. These guys are two of the best. Why? Because they've been able to adjust and adapt. So what you're teaching in 2022 is not the same thing that you were teaching in 2012. Definitely not the same thing you were teaching in 2002 and 1992. And and uh, he's, he's he's one of the best, a great communicator, uh, and and a great supporter. When when goalie coach's position was really to you know support the goaltender and tap you in the back and tell you you're doing great. Uh, Mitch has never lost that. He, he's got that on top of all the other aspects of, of what a good goalie coach or a good um, goalie uh, director would be. Uh, so he's, he's something special.
0: That's perfectly like, uh, framed, Marty. Thank you. Your networks are extremely lucky to have you. I'm keeping you from family and also from work. But it Oh, begs... I got
1: a few more minutes. It, it, you're it, totally fine. Well, it
0: begs one last question, and perhaps this is an opportunity for a tribute to your wife and your family, but you were dealt either right at the deadline or a little bit before from Buffalo. It was good for your career because then you played more and you were fantastic uh, for Philadelphia and for the rest of your career. But I was wondering about what you remember about that day being told. <laughs> Obviously, you didn't hear about it from Twitter because it wasn't around yet. No. Um, but also the impact that it had on your family. All right. Granted, you didn't have to move across the country. But can you put that all in perspective for us?
1: So it's a funny story because it is trade deadline 2007. So it's the second year after the 0 lockout. And I am actually in Toronto with the Buffalo Sabres. We're about to play the Toronto Maple Leafs that night. The center of trade center, right? It's right there in Toronto. So I'm the backup to Ryan Miller. And I walk into the, the the locker room in Toronto in the morning of, and I turn all the TV to TSN. Right, it's the big trade center. Let's see what happens. So TV in the locker room, TV in the change room, TV in the trainers' room. I got them all on TSN. We're sitting. We're getting ready to go on the ice for the morning skate. All of a sudden, Lindy Ruff walks in. Says, "Marty, my office." And I'm thinking. I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble because I'm, we're not focusing on the game. We're basically just focusing on what's happening around the, the league. And it's my fault because I turned all the TVs on. So I walked into Lindy Ruff's office and he says, uh, sit down. And I'm like, okay. And I'm thinking I'm going to get yelled at. And he says, uh, so Marty, um, let's have a conversation. Do you, do you want to be moved? Do you want to be traded? And I'm like, Lindy, i out of my control. I don't listen. I'm having a great time here. My contract's expiring at the end of the year. I'm going to be a UFA this summer. So yeah, I'll most likely want to go somewhere else this summer because I, I still believe I can be a number one goaltender in this in, in this league and I want to. And Rand Miller is a stud. So um, do I want to be traded? I, it's out of my control. But will I move on to something else next year? Absolutely. And, and I can be honest with you about that but do you want to be traded now? And I'm like, Lindy, I'm not giving you the satisfaction of telling you, yes, I want to, or no, I love this team. We're leading the league. They ended up winning the president's trophy that year. So, and I'm like, we're going to have a great chance in the playoffs and great teams. So I, I'm, I'm good either way. And he said, okay, well, sounds like you want to be traded and I'm laughing and he's playing games with me and he goes, no, I'm just kidding. But you are, you're getting traded. So I want you to go shower, get back to hotel. And I'm like, okay, well, where am I getting traded? He goes, we don't know yet. You're just, uh, it's gonna happen in the next little bit here. So I ended up going back to hotel. I didn't find out it was Philadelphia for about an hour. And they got a car service for me to come pick me up at the hotel in Toronto and drive me to, to Buffalo. It's an hour, 45 minutes, two hours down the road. So I went home. Uh, I found out in the car service it was Philadelphia, and then uh, I was excited because Don Luce, who I know really well, former Buffalo Sabres, worked for the Sabres, director of player development and and player personnel the years that I was here, was now working for the Flyers. So I knew that I had somebody I know in the organization, and... uh, and I went to Philly and we were terrible in Philly that year. We finished 30th in the league, uh, you know, and that was, there was a lot of big changes, but that was the upcoming of Mike Richard, Jeff Carter. Uh, Scotty Opshall got traded there that year. Kimo Timonen, Scott Artnell, Danny Briere got there in the summer. So there was a, you know, it's kind of like the Islanders this year. You have the bones, but you just got to keep going. And then the next year, I got, a, you know, my first chance in the playoffs with the Flyers went to the conference finals and it was, it was great. But uh, um, yeah, it was, it was kind of weird because I had young children. I had two at the time. And then my first year in Philadelphia, number three came along. Then my first year with the New York, New York Islanders, number four came along. So it does put a lot of stress on your family when you're used to one spot. I had been in Buffalo seven years and Rochester two prior to that. So uh, to move around and to find houses and, you know, new everything, new schools, new doctors, new everything is is, is somewhat difficult, uh, but uh, we, um, we did it. We enjoyed Philly. Uh, I, in New York with the Islanders, the family stayed in Buffalo because I was only in a one-year deal, so that was difficult, and I understand that for some players this year, it's been difficult because they're not with their families or, you know, with COVID, it's been a lot de- a lot different. Uh, so hopefully you get back to normal because for teams like the Islanders to be able to acquire players and and be able to support them and their families, uh, you need to get back to normal. So hopefully we do. Uh, but that was my trade deadline story. I tell everybody it was it was a great day for me. Uh, it was a weird one. I even had Danny Briere, my roommate, uh, answering the phone at the hotel and, uh, you know, kind of basically be my secretary. So. So, yeah, it was uh, it was a lot of fun.
0: <laughs> the, uh, the the fact I mean I don't know how many guys at least had a one hour heads up to go back and shower before finding out his destination. That's amazing. Well,
1: it's kind of like the guys being held out of games now, right? They're like, "Oh, well, uh, Ben Chirac, you're not gonna play." So he knows he's being traded, but maybe it's days. Claude Giroux, you're not gonna play on Friday night. You know you're getting traded, but it may be days. So at least it wasn't days. But uh, yeah, I got to wait a little a little longer than usual
0: we uh, as a as a, a person by himself on the island without his family and i do remember that but a, a quick snapshot of your year on the island either what you liked about it i know it was, it was you and rose and Ricky but um yeah. you know your time on the island where you hung out any and any good takeaways from the year
1: lots of good takeaways it was a tough year i'll be honest with you it was one of my most difficult year personally because of the family situation uh and uh, professionally on the ice i did not perform well and our team struggled and there was three goalies i was healthy scratch i'd never been healthy scratch in my career and when ricky came back right around christmas time uh, i was the on man out roly was playing pretty well Uh, you know, I thought I was going to get traded at the deadline, or Rolison thought he was getting traded at the deadline. Nothing happened. It was difficult. Here's the great takeaway from my year with the New York Islanders. The young guys, that core guys, the fun guys that we had on that team, you know, that it is from Mark Streit and Dogweight and Brendan Witt and John Sim and Richard Park. And there was, there was so many Good guys that I loved as a team, and then you had the young, the Caloposo, the Matt Molson, the John Tavares, Josh Bailey. Uh, there was so many. They, there was, you could tell that this team, like, it was one of the tightest team like uh you know uh togetherness you could use or or chemistry that i've been on uh although we were not good we were terrible but it was such a fun team I remember going to caliposo's apartment a few nights and we were playing cards and you know watching movies and and everybody was there there'd be 12 guys there with their girlfriends and whatever whoever was in town and we had a lot of fun. Bruno Gervais was there. Oh my God, Bruno was fantastic. I love Bruno. I still talk to him really often. Uh, but we had a a really really fun young team. We just were bad and. We had a ping pong table in the middle of the locker room. And let me tell you, those ping pong tournaments and uh, even getting ready for practice, maybe that's why we were terrible because guys were more worried about the ping pong tournament than uh, actual practice. But I used to be in my goalie gear and and playing my my ping pong match. And then, oh, I got to go grab my stuff and get on the ice. So uh, yeah, we had it was a good, fun year. It just was a very, very demanding and tough year. Uh, year emotionally with, uh, with not playing well and not being with the family.
0: It was character building, right? Um,
1: uh, yeah, absolutely. A lot of character building.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you built it well. Nobody better than you, Marty, except for maybe Bruno Gervais. Maybe it'd be one, two uh, on my list. That's uh, great. Yeah, uh, the, the, uh, the ISIS, and and so are you. Thanks so much for your time. I know a lot going on. This, this the goaltending stuff. You framed it perfectly. I've got, I'm even more excited now about the next couple of days and also the off season. Thank you so much, Marty.
1: No, thanks for having me. Uh, hi to all Islanders fans, and hopefully I get to make it back to uh, Long Island soon. And you know, I still get I get the email as a Long Island, uh, well, Long Island New York Islanders uh, alumni. So hopefully I can make it back to a few events over the summer or over the next year.
0: That'd be great. and You got to see the new barn too. Really nice.
1: Oh yes, I do. I hear it's spectacular.
0: It's really. So I'm great. looking can- forward to it. Come a long way from the locker room with the ping pong table on in it. Let's put it that way. (laughs) Thanks, Marty. Have a great day. Great weekend. Have a good one. Thanks again to Marty Baran, who was just fantastic. Gave us so much to talk about and to think about regarding Varlamov and the Capitals and about a dozen other teams. Uh, and his thoughts on Mitch Corn gave us some insight that I had not heard before. So thanks to Marty. We'll be right back to talk about uh, the Islanders' current trade rumors, things that may happen, and a lot of things that won't happen. Main Street Board Game Cafe is in Huntington Village on Long Island's North Shore. Games for sale? And games for play, food and drink, beer and wine, fun and friends. Bring the magic of phones down, eyes up, eyes up, tabletop board games to your family. Their staff will help you find the right board game for you. From card and party games, to games for families, to strategy games, they have it all. Located at 307 Main Street in Huntington Village. Go to MainStreetBoardGameCafe.com for more information. Main Street Board Game Cafe. Find your crowd. Unplug your game. Um, Lou. So yesterday, nice and thank you so much for doing this, Lou. I don't know if you saw yesterday I had a tweet about Zach Parisi in the morning. Mm-hmm. Just a throwaway thought. Who doesn't respect the guy Appreciate the guy through his whole career, and especially these last 40 games where he's been good. My only point was he's 38. He's going to be 38 this summer, and I don't know if this team, which does not have depth on the farm in juniors, draft picks, uh, that like I don't know if the prevailing narrative of this Islanders trade deadline should be keeping Zach creasy Doesn't mean they can't do parallel paths. There's other stories where I'm off being a big one, Scott Mayfield, Cal Clutterbuck, Bailey. But um, you know, I was wondering what your thoughts on it because the fans I thought they were fairly loud and clear about he should stay. But we're making assumptions that he's coming back on a one year minimum contract. And I'm not ready to make that assumption. What do you think, Lou? You know,
2: it's tough because you never know the mind of Lula Marillo. How he thinks, obviously he's very fond of Zach. He drafted him, brought him to the New Jersey Devils, gave him some pretty good money over the years. Then Zach wanted to go home and play for his hometown team, the, the Minnesota Wild. Um, I think he's a valuable piece. Um, I don't think he's going to put up you know early to mid-career Zach Parise numbers, but there is something to be said about the level of calmness, the level of play, the level of captain material that he is. He may not wear the C. He may not even want to be that guy in the locker room, but I just think there's a certain outlook that Zach Parise has on the game that translates to guys in the locker room could also go to Anders Lee, who is the captain, but also can go to Zach and he can calm things down. He could be that rah-rah guy, or he could be the guy who says nothing and just leads by example. Um, that's a long-winded uh answer to say I think he's not going anywhere. I don't think he's on the table. I think Lou is a loyal guy and I think he's going to make he's going to let Zach plan out his future. I think he's yep. going to let Zach say, "I want to come back or Lou, if there's a team that wants me and can help this team with draft picks or an NHL ready player or a young prospect who's kind of you know, we don't know his deal yet. Is he going to be a good time, a, a good prospect, or is he going to be just a middle of the road guy? But I think Zach is going to be the one who ultimately determines what his Islanders destiny is.
0: I agree with you, Lou. By the end of the night after, it was really an interestingly engaged tweet in that it was a conversation that continued all day yesterday.
2: Shocking when you uh, actually have those on Twitter where you can actually have a conversation yeah, with a, different opinions yeah. and nobody's screaming and cursing and yelling at you.
0: I mean, I got some. This is a bad take, Bada, or this makes no sense. Really, Does it doesn't. I mean, you I know, know that that I disagree with. Everybody else making their point about his value to the team, I appreciate. Uh, it's it's a fair take for everybody to have because he's 38, because they are 21 points out of a playoff spot as we're recording this, or so, um, and. Zach has, in the last seven seasons, Zach Parisi's teams, no true, not his fault, let me be clear, had three seasons, didn't make the playoffs, four seasons, lost in the first round. He's not uh, been in a team that's close to contention. So if there's an opportunity there for a team that is a contender, that sees how great legitimately, impressively great play over these last couple of months as a third-line player or so that he, they think Zach Parisi could help them and Lula Amarillo can get value. As Martin Viron mentioned, Varlamov being there the rest of this season doesn't really do anything for the Islanders. He's not going to make them make the playoffs. He's not going to help them make the so So, yes, could you get value for Zach Parisi? You absolutely can.
2: I think there's definitely a playoff caliber team out there that there is. you bring him in the leadership, the play in tough games, the know, the want to win later on in your career. I think this would be a good move for any team that's looking to add depth and a quality player. You may not get, not may, you're not going to get the goal and assist production, but what you're going to get is a guy who fights and grinds every night and you know if things were going better for the islanders and they were sitting in a playoff position or on the verge of breaking into the playoffs, you know two or three points out of that final wild card spot, then Zach Parise is a guy that's not even a question. You keep him for that run because like I said, the goal production may not be there, but I'd bet dollars to donuts that Zach Parise is going to have a big assist or a big goal in a game that propels the islanders to Closer, moving closer to the wild card or a playoff spot. Well,
0: well put. You, you wouldn't even be thinking even about, think it, about it. But they're but they're not. And and my thing is, you have to be. I, and again, I suspect they are. And the offers will come in. And Lou will say to Zach, you know, what do you think? And he will get what his wish is. And maybe one of those teams, we've already gone longer than I planned on, but that's the fun of hockey, right? Mm-hmm. It's also the fun of the trade headline. Maybe one of those teams, and I don't know who that is, right? But there's a personal connection, family connection. It's an easier place to move. Maybe one of those teams, Zach says, you know what? That I can see doing. And then you know what? I'll talk to you guys in June or July, right? About whether it's coming back or going. And I get it. Once guys leave, they tend to then not come back. But that the, usually only happens going, in baseball. There are going to be options.
2: That usually only happens in baseball. You know, this Chapman right? comes to mind. Yankees trade him to the Cubs. <laughs> he wins a World Series with the Cubs. He comes back the next season as a Yankees closer, and he's been here ever ever since. You know, um, I don't know. What the Islanders' plans are? Obviously, I'm not in the locker room. This is just from a fan's perspective. But I think this season went down the tubes so quickly for them. Whether you want to blame the start of the season, 13 game road trip, oh,
0: it's all it's all there. It's it, all part it's, of it. it's
2: it's a giant snowball that's keep rolling downhill, and it's gotten progressively worse. And then there's some bright spots. Yeah, okay, great. They beat the Rangers two to one. They're now 25, 24, and whatever their overtime win loss record is. I really don't even care. You know, um, there's been some good moments. There's been some, oh, my God, I can't believe this is happening again moments where there's winless streaks and then a little mini streak and then there's good streaks and bad streaks. But that's, the, that's what happens in a season. But I think the Islanders are probably, as far as front office talks go, I, if, if, if I'm Lou, not this Lou, but the other Lou, <laughs> I, I hit pause on everything. You really have to wow me with some sort of trade or some sort of tactic that's going to better the team down the road. Not saying that you sit and hold pa- and you stand pat throughout free agency. Free agency is when everything opens up for me. If I'm an if I'm if I'm Lou Lamarillo. All right, we'll take a listen to some trades. All right, you know, if we can get something for Varlamov, great. You know, I thought that was very interesting that. Uh, that Marty was talking about a goalie for a goalie. So, I mean, listen, if, if Samsonov is as good as people think he's going to be, I have no problem having two Russian goaltenders who would probably benefit from each other. And I understand Varlamov is Russian as well, but you're bringing yeah, in... No, but another, it's a, a younger know, asset. Yeah, it's bringing in another asset. It's, it's comfort for Sorokin. It's comfort for Samsonov. They're both NHL ready. They're both now in the NHL long enough that it's not like they have to... Worry about, oh, they're very young. They're very young. No, they've they've gone through it. They know what it is. They've learned from, you know, Sorokin's learned from Varlamov. And I think this could be another tandem, but this is all, you know, ifs and buts. So it's really not that yeah. big of a, you know, trade rumor. But I, I, if I'm the Islanders, I stand pat and I just say, listen, you you're going to have to wow me with something because in free agency is where they really need to go make their splash. We all know what they need. They need scoring, consistent scoring. They need somebody for Barzell to set up, and they have to find that guy. They have to find that guy to ride shotgun. All those guys that rode shotgun with Tavares, and I love Matt Molson and Brad Boys was a, ho- a solid hockey player. They're not the names that were needed to ride shotgun with John Tavares. You have Matt.
0: Go ahead. Go ahead. I was
2: just going to say, you have Matt Barzell, one of the up-and-coming young—he's not even up-and-coming anymore. He is a young star in the NHL. You need to put someone on his wing that's going to get 35 to 40 goals a year. Hands down, no questions asked, this is what we know. This guy on Barzell's wing is going to score 35 to 40, and it's, it's like Ziggy Palfy. Go back to the Ziggy years. He had Travis Green setting him up, and Travis was a solid center. Ziggy, 40 every year, 40 every year. He was one of a couple of players. You would never think it. That Zygmunt Palfy three years in a row, 40 goals. Leclerc, Solani, and I think Ziggy were the only three to do that
0: three straight well, let's years. Keep in in mind, let's keep in mind, my friend, that we're going to also do this on Monday right at the trade deadline, so we want to save some of our material. Oh, I'm fired up. Because <laughs> <laughs> <And, laughs> I know there's I know there's another position, yes, the puck moving a defender, mm-hmm. and we'll, we'll come back to that, and we'll certainly be on that on Monday when we see where things stand. I did just want to go through the checklist of players who might be available very, very briefly. Also, big credit to Kevin Kurz, whose coverage in the Athletic on the Islanders has been outstanding, has another story out the weekend about moves that could be made or but for the most part the paint the picture that he paints Lou is that this is going to be in all likelihood a very boring trade deadline and that jives with what you said right and I tweeted after the Ranger game that Lou is in a good position and with the team playing better and giving reason to believe for next season that he, he can sit there and take offers and see if he's blown away so i get that but I just quickly i want to go through the list mm-hmm. i want to be really clear on zidane Chara here we you know we could be honest about Zedano he's been a great player he's an all-time classic human being he has not played well this season he's not going to be the reason why he's not going to be traded is not out of loyalty there aren't there just aren't teams where z cracks easily cracks the top six of a contending team. And you're not going, I said this before with Pat Boyle, you're not going to add Zdeno Char to your lineup and then have to scratch this legend, this first ballot Hall of Famer. So he's not going anywhere. And Andy Green, who has been better, and I could see there being interest, he's probably at the point of his life where he's not looking to move. But like Parisi, if there's a team of interest, Lou is going to put it in Andy's uh, position to make a decision, but there's not there's not going to be you know much value there. But if Andy Green could be moved to a good place, you know, good for him. What are you going to say? Luke? I was just
2: going to say there's two points. One, Zach Parise and Andy Green. The only way they get moved is if it's Tampa Bay or a team that has a chance to win the cup to give Zach a chance to win the cup and to give Andy a chance to win the cup. Yep. And I agree with you wholeheartedly about Chara. I love Zidane Chara. Loved him from his first day as an Islander to now. Always have, always will. One of the biggest trades that really angered me was losing him. I understand it brought in Yashin. I understand Yashin put that team on the trajectory to get into the playoffs again. And it was something that the franchise needed. They needed an Alexei Yashin type to... Rekindle the fire of this organization, and you would, which is kind of funny because I don't think Yashin said like five words when he was on the Islanders. He was very mm-hmm. quiet. But you know, losing Zdeno Chara in that trade, it hurt. It stunk. You know, younger me would I, was,
0: can, I can't go down that right, right.
2: Was, right, 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 right. <laughs> but but what I would say is the last thing you want. Didn't the Islanders acquire Braden Coburn? a couple of years ago just yeah. because they had yeah. like they needed depth on defense and he played like maybe 5 games for the the Islanders mm-hmm. down the stretch and maybe even a couple yeah. of playoff games but i would hate to see that happen as a chara you know zedano chara goes to you know what, a, whatever west coast team that that needs you know defensive depth whether it's like you know vegas or, yeah, I'd be yeah, very you know, I, and, and then there's Chara sitting in the booth every night, like, or sitting in the press box every night, like, yeah, he's here. He's a, he's one of the black aces, <laughs> you know, we, but we don't. Use yeah, him. no,
0: I, I don't see it. Clutterbuck, Cal Clutterbuck, who has been an outstanding Islander. He's one who, to me, if he's not traded, I don't want to say I won't be surprised. Kevin Kurz has again, set it up to say that, like, you know, maybe even he won't go. I feel like that's asset management failure if you don't get anything for him he's somebody who i do know for sure there's interest in and a uh, more than a few teams are interested in him and and i, I get you know no it's not a sixth round pick it's a third could even be a second could be you know a bigger deal than that um but i i could see clutterbuck going and he should uh he should be dealt and then they'll welcome him back with a video. Scott Mayfield most likely stays unless there's a hockey trade or maybe that's one for uh, the offseason. The fans have made the point that if you trade Mayfield, you're, who's on a great contract. That's why he's highly covered. But if you trade him, then he's another D that you have to replace. And then we'll come back. Uh, I'll get your thoughts on, on the guys I've mentioned before, and then we'll talk about Bailey and Beauvillier and the more hockey-type trades. What do you got, Lou? You know, Mayfield. I-
2: as far as Mayfield goes, I like him. I like what he does. Yeah, I've watched some games and I've been very negative about some of the, you know, and tweeted out some negative about getting him off the team because there's just some frustrating play. Because I guess I expect mm. more from him at this point. Um, it drives me nuts when a guy of his size. Um, Always goes to the backhand to try to get the puck out of the zone instead of just like hammering it down the ice. And you know, there's a lot of Islander players on this current roster that drive me crazy in the defensive zone when they get possession of the puck. They do these quick little backhand passes and they get intercepted either in the high slot or at the blue line. But anyway, that's a that's a topic for another day. Um, and
0: Mayfield Mayfield is unrestricted. He's unrestricted after next
2: season. Yeah. So I so
0: and I think there's a great chance he knows this too. That he's going to make much more money, mm-hmm. not not huge money. Oh, I think but so. That that those are deals that he can get from other teams. So yeah, there's a I, pretty good chance Mayfield isn't an Islander after next season, even if he's yeah, not dealt.
2: I agree. I think he might be. I think he may be, unless Lou extends him. Um, but I think that he might be one of those trade deadline casualties at some point, not this year, but maybe next year. I think they give him up until the trade deadline next year, see where the team is, see where his play is. And then it's either if they extend him great. And if they don't, you know, he's gone because yes, he's going to make, you know, what we would consider a lot of money
0: um, as a free agent. When it comes to Anthony Beauvillier, the Islanders. That's a decision oh, management so needs to make, yeah. and the scouts need to make, and Barry Trotz and his coaches need to make. You, you know, so what, what here's what I don't understand about Anthony Beauvillier is there's inconsistency, and then there's this wild inconsistency with him. You know, like like some nights yeah. where he is he is Parisi times ten, yeah. right, in terms of his. Engine yeah. and skill in, in, in his, the young portion of his prime. Yeah. And then there are nights where it's actually after the game, or the morning after, and I think, where was Beauvillier last night? So yeah. they, they're going to have to figure that out and decide, is he one of those guys worth moving for that defender that I know you need?
2: You know, my, my buddy Steve and I, he's he's a huge Islander fan as well, and we, we talk about this constantly, you know, via text message, or phone call, or over beers, or what have you. Um, Bo, as good as he is, the inconsistency, absolutely, is definitely there. But I think he's hit his ceiling. I think what you see is what you get with Anthony Beauvillier. I don't think he's going to get worse. I don't think he's going to get better. I don't think that Anthony Beauvillier is going to come into camp next year, and then, wow, he's so fast He's scoring goals. Oh, my God, he could be a 35-goal scorer. You know, he is what he is, and we love him for it as a fan base. We're very thankful for that Game 6 overtime goal. The only problem is I don't want to see him fall into, and I'm going to go to baseball again, I don't want to see him fall into the Benny Agbayani role. Benny Agbayani hits a big home run for the Mets in the playoffs in 2000, and then Benny goes a back is the
0: Mets Right,
2: but I'm just saying because I, mean, no, I can talk about the I can talk about Meta, the
0: comparison.
2: But you know what I mean. So like same thing with Todd Pratt. Todd Pratt was a backup catcher. He hits a big home run <laughs> in the playoffs in '99 to beat the Diamondbacks, and then he stays a Met probably longer than he should have. I don't want to see the team turn their back on Bo. But if you can get something for Bo, and I mean something of substance. Now we know. Look, you're not getting a first round pick for Anthony Beauvillier, even though he was one. But that was years ago. But if you can get a couple of seconds, or a couple, like a second and a third, and maybe an NHL-ready prospect or player, and the prospect has the upside, then you know the scouts say that this guy's going to be something. Then yeah, I take a chance on it. Love Anthony Beauvillier, but like you said, there are times where he just disappears, and you don't even realize he's in the game or was in the in the lineup that night. I think he's and hit he's his ceiling. He's too
0: good for. He's too. He's too for good for to it.
2: Happen. Yeah. Yeah. And
0: and listen, that's the kind of question that, that teams go through all the time and the islanders are with him and, and they're fairly lucky in that there aren't too many players like this in that category. He mm-hmm. was you know it's funny when you said he was first round, I forgot he was twenty eighth overall and I know yeah. how that all worked out. They moved up and all that, but I was thinking he was early second. Um yeah. he they, they they. that's exactly it. You hit the nail on the head. What is Anthony Beauvillier and do you move him now yeah. before it's po- not when I say before it's possibly too late. He's going to have a long career. He'll sure. probably play a thousand games, uh, and maybe they'll all be with the Islanders. But again, asset is it? You know, do you move him now if there's interest in certain precincts? Of course, uh, certain teams, and can you get max value for he, him?
2: He he reminds me of another eighteen that that wore the Islander crest. And no, I'm not Which talking one? about Eddie Westfall, Tim Connolly. Uh, yeah. Tim Connolly was supposed different kind to, of player. Different kind of player, existence. absolutely. Very Tim Connolly was flashy, but Tim Connolly was, I believe the fifth overall pick in the draft. Mm-hmm. He came in with a lot of expectations. Now, granted, those Islander teams were tough to watch when he was an Islander. Mm-hmm. But you kept waiting, like, is this the guy that's going to elevate his game to the next level and become that first-line superstar passing the puck, scoring the puck, doing all the dilly-dallies and, the you know, the dipsy-doodles with the, the puck on his stick, the way he could do that when he was on. And then he would just go and be a normal guy, you know, every three out of five games. And, you know, I just, I see that with Bo. I mean, you know... I miss guys like Michael Grabner because you knew what you had in Grabner. You had the speed. You knew he was going to frustrate you shorthanded on breakaways because he couldn't bury them. But I love the Gremlin. He was awesome. But you knew what you had in him. You don't know what you have in Anthony Beauvillier. You really don't because is he a scorer? Is he a penalty killer? Is he a passer? Is he this? Is he that? He comes to play every night, but there's just some times where
0: he just disappears. Uh, No, uh, no question. Uh, really well put. And I'm going and deep last, into the I'm
2: going deep into the
0: Islanders uh <laughs>
2: former Islander
0: player. And, and, and listen, he he wound up, you know, Connolly and Taylor Pyatt, wound up being moved for a good reason to refer mm. Michael Becker. Yep. So Connolly boy like another sh- shrimp Uh, shrimp but at a slower pace and not necessarily in a bad way but in Mm -hmm. terms of his vision his stick handling Mm -hmm. um it it was just really really great to watch and that you know that all did work out fine because we got michael pekka in return and then lastly the wild card is josh bailey he is the guy who fans rightfully so critics people like me at times um can we could focus too much on him because he makes that error that everybody sees he's in front of the net yet he passes the puck. He can go a couple of weeks without having a goal, or maybe even a couple of points. On the other hand, there's a reason, Lou, why in the Coliseum press box when I was there, you know, we would have sixteen, eighteen, twenty scouts and that you know, from other teams. And that's because it's their darn job. There's a reason why these people get paid is to identify, is it worth, you know, does he have the ability that if he's on our team, right? Mm -hmm. And there's about eight teams there who I think could use a Josh Bailey right now. Oh, yeah. His playmaking ability. If he's on our team, not on the Islanders, can he make a difference for us? And I believe that this is a process that is happening. If I'm putting money down, do I think Josh Bailey is going to be traded by Monday? I would put just a little money down, and I would say he's not. Okay, so I agree. You know, I'm I'm hedging my bets a little bit. But that said, there is a chance that a team—I don't want to say it'll take them off your hands. You're going to want to get something back, but it would clear up some salary space in future years, and it would be a good. Page-turning moment, probably for both sides, but I can't rule it out. I think it's a low-key, good story to watch. And part of me, you tell, you're a good fan. If Josh Bailey gets traded before Monday, are you looking for the game that he's playing for his first team the next day? Oh, absolutely, right? like, absolutely. And, and, and yeah. Josh's a family. I don't, I don't get it, right? This is sports, right? Yeah. Okay? But I'd be excited to see how he did elsewhere. So if somebody was to ask me, I would say he's worth a look. They have, those teams have to figure out the cap and whether that number works or yeah. it's too much for them or what they'd have to give the Islanders back. But like Varlamov, uh, and again, Biron was fantastic on that. I'm interested in following this Bailey thing. And if anything comes of it, and perhaps it maybe it's a move for the offseason.
2: I'm wondering where Bailey would Fit in best because for me, I think the way he plays, and yes, it's very passive. It's very frustrating when, like you said, you see him have a clear lane to shoot to the goalie and he'll dish the puck. And, you know, Joe Thornton was the same way. Joe Thornton admittedly says, I'm pass first. I've always been pass first. And that's why his assists are just monumental and the numbers that they are. But you know, I'm not trying to compare Josh Bailey to Joe Thornton. It's two totally different body types, two totally different players, two totally different styles. But I think Bailey, if he's traded, it would go somewhere west coast. I mean, I could actually see him in Edmonton, but I don't know what Edmonton needs. But I think his style of play for that run-and-gun style, and, you know, I got these shooters on both sides of me. Let me let me center these guys, and you you play him at center, I think – I think it could be a, a very interesting scenario. And they have been trade partners in the past with the New York Islanders, which brings me to some questions I might have for you, sir. Because sure. as an Islander fan, and look, I may not be the best Islander fan because, you know, I
0: criticize and maybe I expect that's certain things. But that's what fans are supposed to do. That's what we do, and
2: that's why we all have different opinions. But
0: I can but anyway, On Josh Bailey, if you notice, you know, we get down on Josh Bailey when on the seasons where they don't make the play. That's true. Like the, and he's not the bring he's not the reason why they made it he's not the reason why they don't make it but there's a trend there right look we we, we focus on josh on the down years especially
2: i have go, to say go ahead i,
0: I interrupted no no, no it's okay
2: but i i have to say this you know this will be the last thing i say on josh bailey he he's been a solid islander he's been great for the community he's been he's given everything he has yes could he be better in certain games in game situations yeah, absolutely. You know, a drop pass here that leads to a goal that, or a behind-the-back pass that leads to a goal against the Rangers. Um, not, but I'm not bitter. Uh, but, you know, he, he, he's been a good soldier for the Islanders. He stayed when he could have left. You know, I don't know if he was going to get the money that the Islanders gave him other places. But, you know, hey, listen, I can't knock the guy for signing the contract that he signed because when you have the opportunity to make that money, you take it. And he's been loyal to the community. He's been loyal to the fan base. He's The fan base loves him. I mean, they created a song for him. And when it's all said and done, I don't think his number 12 will be hanging in the rafters at UBS. But look at some of those overtime stats. Look at some of the goals that were scored in overtime. He scored twice against Pittsburgh. One season uh, at the Coliseum and then another uh, during, uh, I guess, it was, not, was it not it wasn't bubble hockey, but... Right, because that game when Jari basically gift wrapped that for him, that Listen, was in Pittsburgh. I'm,
0: ne- you're, you're, I'm never gonna match your ability. You remember, you remember <laughs> You remember moments in '97. that you'll mention some Mar- play. Mar- yeah, so, yeah, that's
2: right. Great pass against they, the Tampa against no, the Florida I, Panthers. I,
0: I, on Josh, they will uh, the number will not be retired. But no. whenever this happens, and if he comes back in another uniform in a couple of months or in a, in a year or two, it'll be a substantial mm-hmm. welcome back video, and it'll be a substantial ovation. Let's just go five minutes mm-hmm. on uh, questions, yeah. and then because we got a we got a we got a lot to talk about in the final weeks of season. I know. One I, of didn't even, I didn't broadcast.
2: even re- I didn't even realize what time it was. So now here yeah. here's
0: Bieron got us off to such a great start. So so here's
2: a question. Some questions I have for you about. Islander trade deadlines of of years past. Mm -hmm. Growing up, and I mean when I was a teenager, Saturday mornings we'd go up to the park, we'd play roller hockey, and then we would go and grab lunch and we would start talking about Islanders. And it was always around the trade deadline where the name Shane Corson and Keith Primo would come up. Was Shane Corson and Keith Primo ever targeted by the Islanders front office as a trade acquisition?
0: To the best of my knowledge, I could 100% rule out any rumors with Shane Corson. That's the easy one. Primo is one of those guys who I think was often always in play uh, because such a great, he was a 1B, right? Like, I don't even think you'd call him a second liner. Um, And so, yeah, you would hear his name came up. Corson, now obviously part of this is like the hatred. doesn't mean you can't. Yeah, Yankees got But well, these are his Edmonton uh, Euler years. I think these are his Oilers yes. or, or so, Canadian oh, years. Oh, so even before that. Yeah, before yeah, so um, Toronto. That doesn't uh, you know, that doesn't ring a, a bell. I mean, obviously, when it came to you know, Mike and I were extremely close and he would, you know, say what, you know, when I should be ready. Uh, or, you know, don't, don't make any plans this weekend, uh, because, yeah. uh, there could be activity and would say the names. Garth was actually really, really good too, for the, the couple of years we were together. But, um, and Don Maloney, uh, before I you oh, know, there were, there were other staffers, uh, in layers between us. So, but no, I never, of course, and Primo was one of those guys who, you know, just like Ronick, your buddy Ronick. there's a summer there and that's a story for another day. I know. Well, J, um,
2: told me that story. JR yeah, told me we'll, that story. We'll so, do that
0: on our wrap up. I might have shows, to get but, JR. I
2: might have to get yeah. JR on here to tell that story. Yeah.
0: But on primo, that would be great. But on primo, it, I, I can tell you this: nothing ever came close.
2: Right. You know, okay. Maybe,
0: it's one thing, of course, you'd be interested in them, yeah. but did anything ever come close? Right. Not to my knowledge.
2: All right. So going from 155 to another. So Primo wore 55 his years in the NHL, and then there was another guy, goal scorer from the Chicago Blackhawks, named Eric Daze, and he was always rumored to be uh, an Islander target as well. Was he?
0: Yeah, yeah, he, he was, and you know what? I, can, you know, there probably was a time or two that he came close. Daze is, you know, we. This is a trend on this show, right? He was, he was that great tease in that. He was a good goal scorer, mm-hmm. tall guy, mm-hmm. um, and of course, why wouldn't you be interested in him, right? Sure. But boy, we were so. You know, prior to, you got to remember that. I understand we made the, under Charles Wong, who finally just decided after that one brutal year that we're going to change everything and it's Yashin and Pekka and a coin and Osgood and all that. Yeah. But other than that, before Malkin and and Leducki came around. You know, finances were always in consideration. Finances drove every move. I get it. Yeah. Mike made bad trades, epically uh, bad trades at times. But I always thought he start, overpaid. Were,
2: I don't. I don't think he made. I, I don't want to say he didn't make bad trades. He, 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 yeah. he. Yeah. He made. He made he, some he bad trades, but I. I always felt he overpaid. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. the the Todd Bertuzzi, Brian McCabe trade, seriously. You give up two youngs, and look, I understand Bertuzzi did not want to be here. I was at his first game back when <laughs> you know everybody was down at the Vancouver side. Everybody was down at the Vancouver side. Brian McCabe shooting pucks at the glass of people, and Charlie. then and Bertuzzi stand. I'll never forget it. Try to picture this: Bertuzzi standing at the blue line. It's during warmups, and they're all you know getting the pucks, and they're taking either wrist shots or slap shots or breaking on the goalie. Bertuzzi standing there, he's bent over, he's got his stick across his knees, and the crowd just goes after him and starts. And he take he stands up and he takes his his sweater, grabs the Vancouver Canucks crest, brings it up to his lips, and he starts kissing it like I'm here, yeah, I'm amazing. here, I'm happy to be here. Then he scores that night, and I thought he was going to do a cartwheel on the ice because it was just oh my god, the ultimate like middle finger. To hey, everybody I, to Mike, I love it that
0: was... he's 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 playing the heel he's embracing it and I don't mind it did the, the right. uh, what I would say is when it comes I have one to, more trade question for you you got when it come when it comes to money whether it's and it will go down that rabbit hole also and that's actually a really good story I think uh, but kirk muller the acquisition of kirk muller the acquisition of trevor linden which by the way i wish i had i think i might have posted the picture once trevor linden wrote a stick uh, uh signed a stick for my son which he offered to do uh when he was born my first son aiden and it's it's, it's just a keeper forever and uh class act but that that shows the over when you're bad that shows the overrating of leadership and credibility Mm -hmm. both those deals kirk muller getting a captain here right um and then we saw how what that how that turned out trevor linden let's overpay to get that credibility that trevor brings yeah that doesn't mean those they're not any less credible but what it's a it's hockey you know you need the better players so that that's the mistake behind those what's your the the
2: funny thing about linden then i'll ask the question because you did bring up kirk muller the thing that was so funny about Linden was that was the year of the Olympics in Nagano. So that was 96
0: mm-hmm. or 98? 96. I'm always going to... Anytime we do this, I'm going to defer to you on so, years. It was the worst. I, what I remember about the Olympics is Reichel and doing a lap. Right. Uh, we, did, we did a send-off to guys.
2: Right. Then, well, we I remember, I, Well, here up. I remember the game against the Dallas Stars when the hockey season started up again and Reichel came out with the gold medal. And skated yes. around and did that. But it was really cool. Before the Olympics was when the trade happens. So Bertuzzi and, and McCabe go to Vancouver. Trevor Linden comes back. And Trevor Linden scores the game tying goal with the goal he pulled against the Czech Republic. And I remember watching the game and, and John Davidson's doing the call. And it's like, you know, uh, Emmerich, Emmerich calls the goal and then JD does. The color commentary of the goal is like, oh, Trevor Linden of the New York Islanders. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is going to propel us to the playoffs because Trevor's coming, you know. Mm -hmm. And no, it was not meant to be, but it was just funny. But anyway, so really quickly. Yeah. You're working for the Islanders. You bring up Kirk Muller. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Don Maloney comes to you and says, all right, we're trading Malakoff and Turgeon to Montreal for Matthew Schneider, Craig Darby and Kirk Muller. Are you react? What's your reaction? Is it like you're going to do what?
0: (laughs) Because that would have been my Um, reaction. What I remember most about that is uh, I don't think I had a strong reaction. I was a lot younger then, and doesn't mean you can't have an opinion, but I don't think I had that much of an opinion back then. But what I will remember is after the trade, we had a game at Madison Square Garden against the Rangers, obviously, and they take the train in. I didn't go to the morning skate. I was the number two person in the PR department. Uh, the number one person is uh, my friend, Ginger who remains one of my best friends to this day. She was at the morning skate. Kirk was supposed to make his debut or at least join us in time for the game. And I walked, uh, I remember this like it was yesterday. I walk over to our locker room. I'm going to guess this is around four or five o'clock for a seven, seven thirty game and ginger's there. And she just has this look on her face like somebody has passed away. And I was like, what's going on? And she goes, Kirk's not coming. Oh, Kirk's not going to be here tonight? Oh, that sucks. But, you know, I don't know, Chris. I, uh, I don't know if he's coming at all. He's, he's just not coming to the Islanders. And I just, like, I still have a bit in my stomach about that because part of this was like Don Maloney had a very close personal connection with Kirk Muller through family and friends and different things. I won't go into that, but like, he really believed in that. And that was part of the spirit of that trade. Again, overpaying or making too much of a big deal for integrity, credibility. I mean, in the case of Kirk, Kirk, I know has had a very, uh, good had continues to have a long career and is well respected when it comes to that issue you know was not handled well I, I it'd be possible to defend him so my memory is not about the value that we gave up or what we got or what kirk became but ginger saying is' not gonna and I don't know if he's ever gonna come. And, and you I was guys like, let
2: and you guys let him wear number nine. You, you. Guys, me, <laughs> I, I you let him wear number nine. How dare you? Don't you
0: guys, me, Pellegrino? I don't have nothing to do with that. You let
2: him wear number nine. How dare you?
0: Even in the pre, <laughs> even in the pre thing, where the the president and GM runs everything, and I, and yes, it was a small shop, and yes, uh, Milbury was good with filling us in on trades and like that. I had nothing to do with any of that. You stuff. let him wear and, number and, nine. How do you <laughs> let Mueller wear number nine? It was a, it was another disaster. It's a top ten. You know, um, so there you go. Uh, trade deadline. Listen, one thing to look out for you I know you hear this all the time. Somebody, uh, uh 50, pe- 50 people will in the media will tweet this that just because a trade is not announced by three o'clock on Monday Eastern time doesn't mean a deal might not happen. Yes, we get that. That's because there's a big lineup at the uh, NHL Trade Registry or whatever they call <laughs> the it nowadays. The fax machine working an overtime. Yeah, so it is possible that if we were to get together around 3.30 Monday to do a show, that something could leak out or dribble out by then. But um, I'm going to put the over-under, and this is going to be high, because people think the elders aren't doing anything now. I'm going to say there will be two moves of some kind, whether it be a clutter buck plus a hockey trade, you know, maybe a little bit of a surprise where the Islanders take a flyer on a guy for a draft pick because their guys really like it. The Varlamov thing will intrigue me till the end. Yes, maybe it's the summer, but I'm going to put this at two moves. Now, that doesn't mean blockbusters, folks. Just two moves of some kind. Uh-uh. of Players coming and going. No, 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 no no, 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 Chris. You?
2: you, you said take a flyer. That means Claude Giroux is going <laughs> to be an islander.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Poor choice of words. Right. Uh, do you put it at one zero two four? Where do you put the I,
2: number? Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I think two. I think two is going to be it. I think it might be you know a Varley and Clutterbuck trade deadline moves because I think Clutterbuck does add some value, especially to a playoff team. He's a hard worker. He hits everything in sight. They all know. They all made big. Everybody makes a big deal of the fourth line. So you know what you're getting in Clutterbuck, but he can also score and chip in those those
0: perfectly timed, you know, game tying or winning goals. Well, we will be back at it on Monday. My thanks to Marty Baron. who was fantastic. Lou Pellegrino has become a great friend to, to the show and an awesome uh, person as engineer, producer, and sometimes co-host. We will be back on Monday with an Islanders 4 check, whether that show will be two and a half minutes or 30 minutes uh, remains to be seen based on the moves that they made. But this was this show here was the 40th episode of Hockey Press Pass slash Islanders 4 check, and I am indebted to everyone who's worked on it, guested on it, and listened to it and supported it. Cannot thank you so much. I Cannot thank you enough. We will see you on Monday afternoon.